Uh, let's go ahead and pray, and then we'll get into our study today. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for each and every person here. Thank you, Lord, that in the midst of our lives, Lord, um, that you know how to put the puzzle pieces together. You know how to carry us through our daily lives. You know how to minister to us. You know how to speak to us, Lord. You use other people. You use circumstances. But all those times, Lord, that there's people used and circumstances, Lord, it, it needs to line up with the Word of God. If it's not lined up with your Word, then um, it's not truth. And so, Lord, we look to your Word today. We look to you, Jesus, to teach us. Father, I pray that you would write upon the, the, the fleshly tablets of our heart, Lord, what you want to speak to us, Lord. Thank you so much for uh, just the work that you are doing, Lord. The, the things that you do behind the scenes, the things that we never see. Lord, we just lift up our communities, our world, our nation, that Jesus would be exemplified, Lord. We know that salvation comes through you, not through government, not through ordinances, not even through safety or health, Lord. It comes by the spirit of the true and living God, the blood of Jesus. And Lord, I pray that you would just encourage your church, encourage those who don't know you to make a decision for you, Lord, today, whether here or Somewhere else in the world, Lord, I thank you that prayer transcends continents and space and that, Lord, when we speak and pray and direct our voices to you, that the true and living God hears us and it doesn't fall on deaf words. There's power in the name of Jesus. Thank you so much, God, for your word. Um, Lord, I pray that uh, whatever's not of you out of today's message would just fall away, Lord. And again, Lord, that none of us would miss out on what you have for us today, Father. And uh, just thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. So we are concluding Acts, and I, I've been reading glasses, that's what I was looking for. We've been going through a chapter a week, and then um, today there's two different parts that are in Acts 28 that I wanted to focus on, so I split it up. And so this week, instead of four pages of notes, I have a page and a half, and you guys are like, yes! <laughs> um, so let's, uh, let's go ahead and read through the text. And I want to start with kind of a recap from Acts 27. Um, in Acts 27, Paul, prior to this, Paul had, Paul had been um, on trial uh, by, the, by the, 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 the religious leaders of the Jewish church because there was this animosity against the Messiah. If you look at when Jesus was crucified, it's the same theme. If you go back to his crucifixion and his trial, there was the Pharisees and the Sadducees that didn't believe that Jesus was the Messiah. And so when you have somebody like Paul, who's preaching the gospel all throughout uh, the, the Acts, because the book of Acts is about the Acts of the Apostles, the Acts, the beginning of the church, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon the church. The Holy Spirit wasn't poured out upon the church as a whole until in Acts. And, so, and the writer of Acts is, is Luke. And so we see here, it's building up to, you know, Paul uh, planted all of these churches and was used in a great way. And then towards the last part of the book, um, we see in the last few chapters here how Paul was um, on trial after trial. It was first with the Jewish leaders, and they couldn't find anything wrong with him. And then because um, that area of the world was under Roman law at the time, and so the Romans were the ones who who governed the people. And so there was riots that would happen, and the Romans would have to step in, and they would you know, start dealing with the trial of Paul. Then they found out that Paul was a Roman citizen. And then they, you know, they, they, they stated that, that there really wasn't anything to accuse Paul of. And then Paul used this, this statement. He said, I want to appeal to Caesar. And so when a Roman citizen did that, they had to take that person to Rome, 
to speak to Caesar. It was, it was like a trump card in a way, or, or like, you know, it, it was this legal thing that had to be done once he spoke that because he was a Roman citizen. And that's what happened in Acts 27. And, 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 so, and then, so to get there, you have to get on a ship. And so they get on this small ship and, 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 and they go around and then, and Paul had already been shipwrecked before and, and they started to travel from, um, uh, if you want to put the map up there, it's over on the side. Um, give you a quick little note here. So they started out here. This is where they started out last in 27, and they came over to here, and, and Paul knew that in the season that they were in, it was towards the end of September, beginning of October, which is kind of interesting that we were in that section of Acts during this season that we're in, because we're in October now. You wouldn't sail then. It would be winter time. You just didn't get on a ship with a big sail and go sailing in the ocean uh, because of storms. And so Paul advised the, the centurion guard to say, hey, we shouldn't do this, but he consulted with those that were professionals, quote-unquote, which was the owner of the ship and the captain of the ship, and they decided to go anyways, and Paul warned them, saying that you're going to lose everything, basically. And so they get in this ship, and they get into another Alexandrian ship, and they end up over here, and then they end up 500 miles off their their trajectory, and there was a big typhoon in the middle here for 14 days at no sun, no moon, no stars, and back then that's the only way you could see where you're going, and they all thought they were going to die, and they literally lost all hope. And then the Lord sent an angel to Paul and gave him this message of hope in the middle of the storm. And I want to go back to Acts 27. And, and there's a reason why I'm doing this, because it sets the stage for what happened on the island of Malta, which is where they ended up at the end of Acts 27. So this isn't in the screen, but I'm just going to read um, in from Acts 27, verse, let's see, verse 22 through 26. I'm going to read this really quick, and this is Paul speaking. And now I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For there stood by me this night an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve, saying, so this is what the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Paul. I love that. When God speaks to us, he calls us by name. He knows who we are. You must be brought before Caesar, and indeed God has granted you all, the, all those who sail with you. So you, the angel of the Lord came to him and said, you're going to Caesar. So there was obviously this already pre-planned, ordained process that Paul was in to get to Rome. And then he says, these people who are with you, there was 276 people on this ship that they would be with Paul so that, that their lives would be saved. And then verse 25 in Acts 27 says this, therefore, take heart, men, for I believe, and this is Paul speaking, for I believe God that it... I believe, God, that it will be just as it was told me. However, and this is the clincher for me and it should be for you guys. However, we must run aground on a certain island. So it's not a good thing when you're uh, sailing on a ship to go run aground anywhere. But they were in the middle of a storm that was so torrential that they literally had thrown everything overboard. They hadn't eaten for weeks, and it was just they were all going to die. That's what they all thought. And so now we see that they had landed at the end of Acts 27. They're on this island. And all of them ended up, all 276 of them, come out of the ocean. You guys ever seen Pirates of the Caribbean, right? When they all come out of the ocean onto the shore in droves, right? And they were the, the, uh, the dead sailors. But I just think of that situation. These men weren't dead. They probably counted themselves as dead. But God saved all their lives. And so we pick up here in Acts 28, verse 1. And oh, on the map, this is where they're at. Sorry, I apologize. My bad. So they're here, Malta, little island, and it still exists today. In fact, if you go to the title screen, that actually is an aerial, go to the title screen, that is an aerial of the island of Malta. 
believe it or not. So Acts 28, verse 1. Now, when they had escaped, they, found, they, then, they then found out that the island was called Malta, and the natives showed us unusual kindness, for they kindled a fire and made us all welcome because of the rain that was falling and because of the cold. So there, it, the weather is still extremely stormy, and you have now 276 tattered and drenched men coming out of the ocean onto the island of Malta's beach. And the natives of the island showed unusual kindness to all of them. It's fascinating here how all of us, the, the, the first thing these, these folks on this island did, they didn't you know, try and attack them or anything like that. They, they, they showered them with kindness. And so you see now there's this fire and there's this obviously a large number of people gathered around it, most likely more than 276 because that was all, those, those are all the people that came off of the, 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 the shipwreck but there were more people, obviously, on the island of Malta. Verse 3, But when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened on his hand. So when the natives saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, No doubt this man is a murderer, whom, whom though he has escaped the sea, yet justice does not allow to live. But he shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. Verse 6, however, they were expecting that he would swell up or suddenly fall down dead. But after they had looked for a long time and saw no harm come to him, they changed their minds and said that he was a god. So we find here it's fascinating. So Paul is serving, right? He's not, hey, you better put me on a pedestal. I saved you guys all from dying. His attitude is serving. And that's important too. As believers, our attitude should always be of service. We the only person that should be on the throne is God, not us. And even though Paul was used by God in a mighty way, he didn't claim to have that position. And so here he is, he's getting this bundle of sticks. And if you know anything about snakes, when they're cold, they almost become dormant, like unmoving. Um, that's why in the summertime, you know, snakes are more active. You see them more. Um, we have a small, I think it's a garter snake at the house that we caught, that my kids caught. They love snakes. And so, you know, we have to keep a heating blanket underneath the thing. It's like, okay, whatever. It's a snake that lives outside, but it's not. It's inside. Anyways, so <laughs> we have a few creatures at our house. Um, anyway, so, so you see the snake, and so Paul's getting this bundle of, 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 of brush or sticks or whatever, and he's placing it on fire, and then the, the viper, he, he obviously, um, the snake, he, uh, Paul didn't know it was in there, and it came, came to from its, you know, winter slumber. And what does a snake usually do if it feels threatened? It bites. That's normal. Even a garter snake with no teeth, they bite when they feel threatened or they haven't been fed for a while. Um, and so, so it, some people have tried to, you know, um, say that this viper was just curled up on Paul or something, but the word's very specific here that it fastened onto his hand. Okay, and that it hung on his hand. So, so it definitely broke his skin, and it definitely was stuck on him. Um, when I was a kid, um, I had an alligator lizard bite my hand. And when they bite, they don't let go. And I'll never forget, I was probably my son, I was probably five years old and I, or younger. And, and, and no, I was older than that, about six. And I remember it still to this day. And I had to shake that thing off. And then it flew off in the bushes. I couldn't find it. And so... Paul, most likely, the same thing happened where he had to shake this, this viper off. And then you see um, the, 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 the natives there, they're like, okay, so these men all, 
um, they, they, were, they were most likely, you know, secular in their religiosity. They weren't Christians on Malta. They didn't know the Lord, and they had these, you know, these, these, these uh, superstitions. And so w- when all these people came off the ship, they're like, okay, they must all be great people because in their mindset, if you did something bad, that's when bad things happen to you. You ever hear about that? Well, that's an old wives' tale about things because bad things do happen to good people even if they don't do something wrong. And so, but these men of, of Malta thought, okay, and they knew what this snake was. They knew this snake was deadly and they were waiting for Paul to die. And so in one instance, they're like, hey, they're, they're, they're okay people, they're safe. You know, all of them survived the shipwreck. And then next, they're like, well, Paul must, he, no doubt this man must be a murderer because this viper bit him and he's gonna die and he's paying the consequence of what he did, you know, the karma, quote unquote. And then he doesn't die. And then they go and they, oh, he must be a god. It's interesting how fickle and changing the human heart and mind can be. Isn't that how we are? We think one thing and then something changes and then we do something else. It's like my wife and I have conversations and she'll tell me something and then a friend of mine will say something and she's like, didn't I already tell you all that? Like, why are you listening to them? Didn't you listen to me? And that's how we are as human beings. And so you see this fickleness, this back and forth, this instability really in their belief system towards these things. Verse seven, so in that region... Now we see this, in that region, in that area, there was an estate, so a large, large, prosperous person of a leading citizen, so he was well off and he was on the island, whose name was Publius. He received us and entertained us courteously for three days. So you have 276 tattered and starving. I mean, they ate one meal. They had to throw all their food off the boat during this shipwreck, during this storm, 276 people, some prisoners, some guards, some not, and, 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 and all of these people, and they got to figure out where to put them. Have you ever had family over for Christmas? How long does it take you to figure out where everybody's going to stay? Forever. You got you to plan it all out, right? Well, this guy, um, Publius, he, he entertained all 276 of these folks until they found a place and accommodation for the winter. Verse 8, and it happened that the father of Publius lay sick of a fever of dysentery. Paul went into him and prayed, and he laid his hands on him and healed him. So when it says went into him, he went where he was laying, and he prayed for him and healed him. So how many of you guys know what dysentery is? You ever heard of that before? It's not just diarrhea. It's severe diarrhea. It has all sorts of horrible Uh, consequences to your digestive system. It's an infection of the intestines resulting in severe diarrhea. And this can be very, very bad. People die from it. Um, It creates extreme dehydration. Uh, Back then, there was no medical supplies to be able to, you know, help with that. Now we're like, oh, Pepto-Bismol, right? Or antacids or whatever. They didn't have any of that back then. And so here we have Publius's father who was sick with this. And so here's Paul, the guy who just got bit by the serpent and Nothing happened to him. And Paul comes in and he prays for this man and this man's healed. It's amazing what happens here. No medical attention was given to him. You know who was a doctor that was with him? Luke. Luke who wrote Acts was with them. He was a doctor. But isn't it fascinating that God used somebody who wasn't a doctor actually to bring physical healing to somebody? Why do you think that is? Yep, to glorify God. And I want you to, I, the reason why I brought up Acts 27 is I wanted you guys to take and like almost the, the focal point of this one verse that 
Paul spoke out to the men during this extreme typhoon that they were on. However, we must run aground on a certain island. Anytime we're trying to be safe or, 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 or make sure that we're, we're taken care of, you know, we don't think about running aground on an island. What, that, that statement that Paul made to these men really is almost, it's, it's odd. It's a very odd thing to actually say pertaining to them being saved from the shipwreck that they were on. And, I, and the reason is, is I, wanna, I really want to paint the focus to be on how God can use un and I want to say unrealistic because our mind is the realistic piece, but God doesn't operate within the confines of our mental abilities, okay? There's time and time again accounts in the Bible and in people's lives where God has done miracles that are literally outside the confines of our own thinking and of their own thinking. And I want you to take a look at what's going to happen here next in this context of Acts chapter 28, verse 1 through 11, and that the Lord took this death situation amongst 276 people, and, and, and the men did not listen to the man of God on the ship, and the man of God that was spoken to, which was Paul by the angel, told them what was going to happen, and that they were going to be saved because of Paul, not because of them. And then he, he said that we were going to be on this island, and God takes them to this island, and these people shower them with goodness, and then what happens? God uses Paul. Paul in this miraculous way. Did you know that Malta, people are believers in Malta because of this today? I want you to think about that for a second, and I want you to align yourself with this thought process in your own life. As a believer in Jesus Christ, God has preordained opportunities in your life for you to be going through your daily life and align somebody up in your life to be able to minister to them. And I'm not talking about laying hands on them and healing them from sicknesses. Praise the Lord if that's what he desires for you to do, because I believe God is still active today in those things. But it needs to bring glory to the Lord, not to the person doing it. And so I take a look at this, and I was praying and thinking about this, and how many of us in our lives have a, tor a, a torrential situation going on right now, where we can focus on the storm and the shipwreck and all the negativities, but the reality is, is that God wants to use that situation in our lives to glorify him. And Paul was ready to glorify God in every situation. And a lot of times we can look at people in the Bible, quote unquote, and go, well, that's people in the Bible. They had something different than I did. Well, no, they're a bunch of bumbling idiots like all of us are sometimes. I'm speaking to myself, not at you. And God wants to use normal, ordinary people in a magnificent way. Do you know why? Do you know why? Because then you can't claim and say, I did it. Right now, Gina and I, she's had a dream to, you see, cultivate coffee on her T-shirt. You might see that here and there. She's had a dream for a few years to have a mobile coffee bar. And I started to work on a trailer a year ago, and I'm not a carpenter. In fact, Jake, he's more of a carpenter. So's Warren and, 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 uh, and Chris, you guys, you guys have all been in construction a long time, right? And every contractor, my neighbor who's 30-year contracting, builds spec homes that are millions of dollars, he comes and looks at it, he goes, I have no idea. <laughs> and so the whole thing blew down when it got windy last year. And now I'm starting from scratch. And now there's two walls built. And, and, and I pray, Lord, help me to understand how to do this. And by God's grace, I found somebody on YouTube um, that is doing it the right way so that I can understand it because there are a bunch of people on YouTube that don't do things the right way. And... Um, and I look at this,
So the reason why I'm bringing up the, um, the trailer is that I can look at that. I made that. You know, God didn't miraculously, like, form this thing. I made that. Yes, God gave me the, the skills to be able to do it, but my hands made it. When it comes to this type of stuff, Paul can't say, I did this, okay? You look at this account, and, and, the, and nobody did this but God, literally. And I want to encourage you guys that there are circumstances in your life that the Lord is knocking on the door of your life and your heart, and he wants you to know that he wants to use you, and he wants to grow you, and he wants to save you not only from yourself but from the impending doom, like what um, the Lord allowed Paul to be used for to save these people in this ship. And so we see the circumstances that could have been like totally, you know, oh, hey, yay, we're on an island. How many of us go on vacation and God goes out the window and we just enjoy our, our time, right? Or we go like Roy and I, we went to uh, the, the gun show yesterday in Roseville, but really it was a knife show. <laughs> um, and, you know, we were, we were there and there was this gentleman and, um, and I don't know if this happens to you, and this doesn't happen to me all the time, um, but he was one of the vendors there and like I walked away and like my, my heart was left where he was. And so I, and, and we had a, Roy has a brace on his knee. Like it's not like vacation time all the time. It's like, Hey, we got to go. You know what I mean? we always have our own schedule. And I don't know what it was that I just, that guy just kept coming to mind. And I was like, I think we're supposed to go pray for him. Roy's like, cool, let's go do that. But he had, you know, he was, had all these people there and they were talking, you know, and I didn't want to disrupt because he's there to make, you know, he's there to sell his product, you know, I didn't want to be disruptive, you know. And so I, we waited and waited and we waited a long time, actually. And I even walked away and I still had to come back. And, and, this, and, and I want to, I'm sharing this with you not to put me in the spotlight, but I want to give you an example that if we're sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit in our daily lives, He wants, he wants to use us. Mm -hmm. He wants to use us in a way that glorifies Him. And so Roy and I, I said, well, let's just pray right now. So we just stood there and prayed for the guy. And we, I don't need to know him, you know. The Lord just wants us to be obedient. And Paul was obedient. He was obedient to the leading of the Holy Spirit pertaining to even healing this, this man. And then what happens after that? Verse 9 so when this was done, so when Publius's father was healed, read this with me. The rest of those on the island who had disease also came and were healed. Could you imagine if Paul was just concerned with like his own life or his own well-being or that stupid snake bit me? Why am I here, God? These dumb people in the ship didn't listen to me. I got wet. I almost died. I had to float on a piece of wood. We're like that as human beings. We're fickle like the islanders. You know, we're, we're tossed to and fro by our emotions and our thinking. And God wants us to be focused upon the sensitivity of the Holy Spirit. If we don't know the Lord, then he's asking us to come to know him through prayer. If we do know the Lord, then he's asking us to be sensitive to his movement in our life so we can be used by him. Because like you'll hear me say from here, Ministry is not about the pastor, it's about the church, the people, and the church is the people of God, not the building. And in today's society, what's infiltrated the church is entertainment. How's it look? How's it sound? How's it feel? Well, our emotions are liars to us. Our feelings aren't always true. 
And God's word needs to be what stands truthful in our life. We need to let the word of God do its work in us by spending time reading and being submitted to him training and teaching us. And sometimes God will come to us through the word of God and something will just smack us like a two by four between the eyes, man. And we can't get rid of it. And, and it's sometimes when that happens, it's called conviction and the Lord wants to change us. And he wants to change us so that when we come in contact with even a stranger, that we'll be sensitive enough to pray for them, you know? Or, 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 or like this other guy, you know, we were talking to a guy and I don't know, he, he started saying that all churches were about pastors just want money. I didn't tell him I was a pastor. <laughs> but he was, he was an atheist agnostic. And so Roy and I had a conversation with that guy. Before we left Roy's house, this homeless guy that was totally drunk walking down the street, I saw him in my mind first. I'm like, I don't want to, okay, I got to go. I don't want to talk to the drunk homeless guy because those are long conversations. And he goes, hey, how's it going? I'm like, hey, how are you? So I walk out. And I, I, I'm not going to be rude. I don't know. I just start talking with him. And Roy comes out and starts talking with him. And we pray for the guy. And we spent 20 minutes, you know. We had somewhere to go. We had our plans. Don't let your plans trump or... I feel stupid using that word nowadays. Don't let your plans, don't let your plans dictate what God wants to do in your life. Always be willing. Be willing to share your life with somebody, okay? And that's what Paul did here. He was willing, even in the midst. And so it's just fascinating to me that here, however, we must go aground on a certain island. I don't think God said, okay, Paul, you're going to go on an island, and then, you know, you're going to get bit by a snake, and then, you know, you're going to have to heal the guy that has horrible diarrhea, and then after the people call you a god, because you know you're not a god, but you're not, you know, you can't, don't go, okay, I'm a god, put me on a pedestal, and then now you're going to go over here and heal the whole island. I don't think the Lord told him that. He just said, you're, these people are on this ship, you're all going to die unless you follow exactly what I'm doing. In fact, there are people that tried to get off the ship who were saying that they were going to put the front anchors out and take the dinghy to go away from the ship during the storm. And Paul said to the centurion, if these guys leave, we're all going to die. It's fascinating. So don't discount the leading of the Lord in your life, even in the small things. Because this small thing about this verse 27, I mean, chapter 27, verse 26, however, we must run aground on a certain island became a magnificent God-glorifying thing for the island of Malta. How many times in our lives have we made our plan so important that we miss out on what God wants to do in us? I'm guilty of it. It happens all the time. I think the hardest part is in our attitudes and our, our actions in our houses. That's like the big rub with Gina and I. It has been. It's where the real rubber meets the road. It's easy to stand up here and read this and prepare this and talk about this. But our lives need to be what the Lord wants them to be, even in the privacy of our homes. So we can be sensitive to be used by the Lord in public. And this world nowadays is dying literally for help of a Savior, which is Jesus. Like that song, name above all names. Jesus Christ is the name above all names. You know that the, at the name of Jesus, demons bow down, they fall, they go away. It's above all names. Verse 9, so then this was done, the rest of those on the island who had disease also came and were healed. So for three months, they were there for three months. And later on in verse 11, it says they were there for three months. So they were there for the winter. But for three months, Paul healed all that were with disease. 
It's safe to say that Paul would have shared the gospel with all he came in contact with on the island as well. It's interesting also that, like I mentioned, that Paul was the one used by the Lord to bring healing to people and not Luke, who was the doctor. Don't discount maybe your lack of training or your lack of knowledge or your lack of understanding and say, God, you can't use me. I'm not smart enough. You can't use me. I'm not intelligent enough. You can't use me. I'm not a speaker. You, you can't use me. I'm, I don't feel comfortable publicly speaking. You can't use me for this or that. We make all these excuses, and God's just waiting for us to just throw our hands in and say, Lord, here I am. And whether it's for salvation, making a decision to come to know the Lord and make Him as your Savior, or it's for your home life, or it's for how you are to be with your neighbors, you know, it's just like yesterday I was driving to Roy's house, and I saw that guy, and I was like, oh. But even in the spite of my selfish, sinful nature, the Lord allowed me to be sensitive to go talk to him. And it turned into this great conversation. You know? It was amazing. I mean, he talked that they're aliens and different things, and he talked about God, and he, he was confused. He, like, had this, he had gone to church as a kid, and, like, you know, all these things, and I could tell he, I mean, it, it's 8.30 in the morning, and he was, he was drunk, you know. Um, that's, you're in a bad state when that's going on, you know. But God can speak through that and use any of us. We just have to be willing. Faith the size of a mustard seed. You ever seen a mustard seed? Itty bitty. God just wants to use you. It's amazing. I love this account. Verse 10. They also honored us in many ways, and when we departed, they provided such things as were necessary. So, in what state did these people, this 276 people come to the island? They came with nothing. Probably had hardly any, maybe they didn't, I'm going to say hardly any clothes, but I always think of like tattered clothes or whatever. Unkept, no food, and these people on this island, after three months of them being there, gave them what was necessary for their journey. Verse 11, after three months, we sailed in an another Alexandrian ship. It's interesting that the Holy Spirit allows Luke, the writer of this, to put this on here, whose figurehead was the twin brothers which had wintered at the island. So this ship had wintered at the island, and back then some ships, you know, they would have some sort of, you know, goddess or god or some you know mythological thing on the front of it or whatever and this one had the twin brothers and so um after they've given many things they get on this ship uh to alexandria i mean this alexandrian ship that would be going to rome and and uh in my in my study i found out here that the figurehead of the ship was the twin brothers quote unquote that is i, I don't know who these are these are heathen sailors that created this um castor and Pol pollux uh, heathen sailors believed them to be the patron gods of the mariners. Mariners would be those who sailed the seas. And so that what was on this ship. And uh, that's the end of our section of Acts today. But I want to leave you with this. This is Jesus speaking in Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 through 16. I want you to listen to this. Read, it'll be on the screen, but just let this soak in. You are the salt of the earth. This is Jesus speaking. But if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. So back then, how did you preserve things? Salt. 
Okay, I didn't have refrigerators. How did you season something? Salt. Salt was a very, very, very uh, expensive commodity. It, it was worth something. And it's interesting that I love how Jesus would say things and use the natural daily things of their life to communicate to them. That's one character about God. God isn't this, um, oh, he's so far out, and how can you know, and how can you understand, and he's so mystical, and we got to do this weird dance and get this weird tingly feeling. No, it, God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if he gave his son to walk upon the earth for the years that he did and ministered to people and he used the daily things in their life to be able to communicate with them, why in the world would God be any different today? And so the word, don't you love it? We have the English language of the Bible. There's a lot, Bible is translated into so many different languages. Um, I encourage you, this is really fascinating too. If you do a historical study on the word of God, you know that when it first was, that, that, the, that the, 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 the Catholic Church, and I don't mean Catholic Christian, but the Catholic Church, before the printing press was made, they wanted to control the Word of God so that the common people could not have the Word of God at all. And so that gave them the power, and they held it over people, and it was just a big, horrible thing. And then the printing press comes, and then the first Bible was printed. And, and literally all throughout time, the Word of God was tried to be destroyed by people. And did you know that the New Testament actually... <laughs> If you do a historical, archaeological, and cosmological study on the validity of the New Testament, it's actually the most valid text that we have in the world. It's fascinating. And so you can use this, and you can literally stake your life on this. It has more validity than our history does. It's fascinating to me, and yet we put more weight in our history than we do the Word of God. And so I love that about it. It's, it's plain. It, it, it speaks to us. It's not this jumbled thing. I don't have to take some decipher code and, and, and go, okay, what number is this verse here? It's like, just get down and say, Lord, will you speak to me through your word? And pick the book of John and read the book of John. Pick a, bi a book in the Bible and read it. And let the word of God wash over you. And just like Jesus said here, you are the salt of the earth. In other words, you are what I have designed to season the earth. I came up with this saying, I think either I did or somebody else did, that you should be so salty that people are thirsty for Jesus when they're around you. And so Jesus is saying, look, but when salt loses its flavor, literally when salt became flavorless, they threw it on the road. It became nothing. And so this is almost a warning that Jesus has for these people. You are the salt, but if you lose your flavor, and how do you stay flavorful? You have to stay tied in with what the flavor comes from and the flavor that he's speaking of is through him, through the relationship with Jesus, through the word of God. Verse 14 says this, and this is Matthew 5. You are the light of the world. Isn't that amazing? So you are the flavor of the earth and you are the light of the world. He's speaking specifically to Christians, to believers, to the, to the apostles, his disciples at the time. But what he's speaking to the disciples, we can't say, oh, that's not me. That was just back then. Jesus is saying this to us today, that you are the light. You folks that are sitting there, you're the light of the world. God has ordained you and empowered you by the Holy Spirit to be a light and flavor to those around you. It may not seem that way. Like my, mine and Roy's conversation with people yesterday weren't successful at all by any standard. No one got saved. In fact, the one guy, his Jesus, it was kind of a frustrating conversation. I'm glad Roy knows more than me than cert in certain things. And, and so... But it wasn't like some successful thing. Oh, the minister to the church went out and did this great thing. No, I mean, we could have walked away and go, well, that was dumb. <laughs> but see, 
Our abilities don't dictate what Jesus is saying here. He's giving a title to us that only God can give a human being. Light. Who is light? Did you know that the darkness is as light to God? Do you know that light is in a believer because Jesus is in them? Do you know that? When God looks at someone who's a a Christian, you know what he sees? And I'm super thankful for this because I know who I am. I know what goes on in my mind and it's gross at times. When the Lord looks at us, he sees Jesus. He sees the righteousness of himself inside of us. There's no other place on earth that that ever happens except when you become a Christian. Before you're a believer, God's righteousness is not in you. It's a really interesting thing. And it's so simple to come to know the Lord. He says, come as you are. All you who are heavy laden and burdened, and I will give you rest. That's his promise. He's the only one on this earth that can ever give a human being rest. And then he tells us, you're the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. In other words, you are something that the world needs to see. Verse 15 in Matthew 5, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket. So back then you would have a lamp in the house. You didn't have lights like this and you would light it and you would want it out. You wouldn't cover it. It just literally, he would say that and people would go, duh, you wouldn't put a lamp under a basket. You wouldn't put the light of your house under a basket. And he goes on and says, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Then Jesus goes on and says, let your light so shine before who? Before your family? Nope. Before only church? Nope. Before only when you serve at a harvest fair? There's a plug. Nope. No. Before men. And that, that's men and women. And it means the world. That they may what? See your good works. Okay, well, wait a minute. You said, Brian, okay, you're the one who's building the trailer, but yet when you go out and do ministry, it's not you, it's the Lord. Right, good works and glorify your Father in heaven. So God has good works for you prior to today even. He's got a plan for you. And those good works glorify him. They glorify the Father in heaven. So Jesus is saying this, look, this is who you are. The world wants you to not be this. The world wants you to live in your flesh. The world wants you to live in your sin. The world wants you to be consumed by everything around you, which I'm sure all the people on this ship with Paul were consumed with everything around them. But Paul was willing to be used by God, even in a diverse situation, even on the ship, as we read in Acts 27 last week. John 14, 12 says this. This is Jesus speaking also. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. Now you say, well, that's kind of confusing here, Brian, so let's break this out down a little bit. So Jesus is saying, look, I say to you, if you believe in me, the works that I do, you will do also. So he's prophesying about the, the, the birthing of the church. There was miraculous things that the church in the beginning of Acts did. There was an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. There were healings. There was, there was just, and it can't, people try and recreate this. You know, we hear songs, fire, fall, Holy Spirit. We, we like, we want this, this thing to happen again that happened in Acts when I really believe is a unique timestamp to, to, to radically shake the society up so that people, would, I mean, when, when the day of Pentecost happened, you had everybody in one place in, 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 in Jerusalem for, for, the, 
for, for, a, for a feast and celebration. And then all of the people, the, the, those that the, the Holy Spirit fell upon that were in the upper room, they all started speaking the languages of everybody that actually happened to be there. And what happened? They ran over there because somebody was speaking their language and 3,000 people got saved. That was the purpose of it. It was for the salvation of those that were there. Now, who could create that? Do you think the, 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 the disciples, the apostles, 150, I think it was, were like, okay, so let's see, we're going to get this flyer out, and we're going to get this person here, and we're going to spend this amount of money on Facebook advertising, and, and, and we're going to paint the church, and we've got to have these chairs and this light, and, da, 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 and then the Holy Spirit's going to show up, and it's going to be amazing? <laughs> no. They were huddled together praying and worshiping God. That's why it's so important to gather when we have prayer nights. It's a, it's a time set aside to seek the Lord's face, to pray and to be quiet before the Lord and to let him minister to you and through you to the body. So then Jesus goes on, he says, and greater works than these he will do because I go to my father. So that's kind of interesting too. So you're saying, okay, so then we're going to be greater than God because Jesus said he's God. So is, what does that mean? So um, even though Jesus is God, he was in physical form and he was in one place. He was limited by his physical body. Think about what happened with just the book of Acts. You had the Holy Spirit start saving people and all its churches got formed and all these people became believers because that's the whole purpose is for people to get saved. And so the greater works is God allowing us as human beings to do things that Jesus could never do because we're all over the world. And yes, God could go, okay, everyone get saved. All right, we're done. We're in heaven. It, it could be done like that. But he wants to use us and be glorified because he uses us human beings. And so I think about how Paul and this shipwreck and God is doing great things and there was a greater thing that done because he took them to this island of Malta. And greater works than these will he will do. It's amazing because Jesus is with his Father. He's in heaven, the right hand of the throne of God, actually interceding for you and I, believe it or not, right now. He's praying for us. Mm -hmm. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, I'll leave you with this. You guys, thought, I told you it would be shorter, but we're at the same time. <laughs> Ephesians, yeah. I know, it was like the gun show. It was disappointing. <laughs> Sorry. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. For we are his workmanship. I want you to put your name there. For Brian is his workmanship. Put your name there in, in your heart and mind. Put your name before created. Created in Christ Jesus for good works. It's important. In Christ is where our salvation comes from. Think about the the, 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 the structure of that sentence there. Our focus needs to be Jesus. It's in him. For good works. The only thing good is God. Good works. God wants to use you. The latter part of this scripture here in Ephesians 2.10 says this, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Think about when Paul said that we needed to be on this island. It's like the same thing. We got to get shipwrecked on this island. God prepared beforehand that they were going to go there. 
And then it's interesting at the end of Ephesians 2.10, it says that we should walk in them. Um, you ever seen a marching band? How many of you guys seen a marching band ever? Marching band always has a leader. If a marching band didn't have a leader, the, t the, the tuba would be horrible, the drum would be off, the walking would be off. It wouldn't be in sync. God's telling us today that he has created us in Jesus for works that we could never do aside from him. And that he's made them already. They're already set up. When I went to Roy's house yesterday, I didn't go, okay, I'm going to wait for somebody to walk down the street. God ordained Luther to walk down Roy Street. Ordained the scared fat kid driving in his ratty old black Jeep Cherokee who was thinking, oh great, I got to talk to this person to talk to him. God has the same exact things for you guys. I'm not special, but God is, and if God lives in you, he wants to use you in a mighty way. Don't discount God. He's asking us to walk in those things. The Lord has prepared the earth and the United States and our society right now to be ready to hear what hope is. And the Lord has ordained the church to be the hope of the world because of Christ living in them. I mean, the, the vehicle to be used for the hope of Jesus. Don't mince my words there. We're not the hope Jesus is. And I just want to leave you with that. It's just fascinating how the Lord took this shipwreck and told Paul, we're going to an island, whatever that meant. But Paul was willing. Are you willing? Don't discount how God wants to use you. Could be your prayer life. Prayer is powerful. Prayer moves mountains, believe it or not. I've told this testimony before. I'll say it again. My sister was smuggling Bibles in China years and years and years and years and years ago. And I was with my cousin here traveling down 80 or 50 or whatever it is out of Chico or Auburn or wherever we were up the hill. And I, I just randomly pray sometimes. It's just how I am. God doesn't need some calendar for you. Just talk to him whenever. He doesn't care. He just wants to hear from you. He doesn't even care if you're in the middle of something horrific or evil or anything. He wants you to cry out to him. So here we are driving, and I just start praying. It wasn't like, hey, Dustin, we're going to pray. we got to pull over. And just start praying for random whatever's on my heart, and then all of a sudden I start praying. I, I wasn't even thinking about my sister. I start praying for my sister while she's in China. So she comes back from China, talking about her testimony of everything, and that she was in this group. You know, they try and get Bibles across, you know, in bags and stuff. And if you get caught, they check your bags. Your, the Bibles don't go because at that time, that wasn't allowed. And it isn't allowed now again either. And my sister told me that she was the only one at that time that got across the border with Bibles. And I said, that's interesting. When was that? She told me the time. I said, huh, this is the time I was praying for you. She goes, that's exactly the time that I was trying to cross the border. So prayer is powerful. They don't always get answered the way we think it should. Some of us are public speakers, some of us are not, but all of us, if we have Christ in us, we can all pray, and God will use that in your life.
Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the patience of the hearers today. Lord, thank you for this account of Paul and Malta. And Lord, that you want to use all of us in a mighty way, God. I pray that we would just be sensitive to you, Lord. There's some of us, whether on live stream or here, Lord, that just have things that they need to get right with you, God. Even myself, Lord, I pray that you sift my heart and mind. Thank you again for your word, God. Lord, be with our family members. Lord, heal my brother John, who's home now from the hospital. Um, thank you, Lord, for just all that you're doing, God. Thank you for who you are, Father. Thank you that you love us in spite of us. Thank you for your grace to be able to read your word together today, Lord, and your mercy. I pray, Lord, that this afternoon would just be an exciting time with you and family, Lord, and whatever else we're going to do, Lord, that you would use us in some way, God, to be the light of this world, Lord, through you. Just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.